Hello, welcome to A Woman's Soul Restored, and this is LaTanya Hendry. It has been a thrill to be doing these podcasts on this new format, and I've been getting a lot of responses, but last week really triggered, um, I guess, the highest response I've had yet since I've switched over to this platform, to Anchor. And I guess the subject matter was a little touchy about um, the secrets. And what I wanted to talk about this week, because I'm lining up a platform to go a little deeper into the secrets that's kept in the household and how we were raised to do one thing and how can that is a positive and a negative to that. So I was trying to put together a panel but when I tried to do it, you know, everybody wasn't feeling well. And actually, I wasn't feeling well myself. So we could not do that episode. So we're going to postpone that one for a minute. But what I want to talk about today, because one of the emails I received was about, it was from a, actually a, a gentleman. And I and and it was a gentleman and a young lady that has similar emails, because last week I ended up with ten, and that was since I began on Anchor, I've been getting three, maybe four. Some weeks it was two, but last week it was ten, and it really astounded me how people were talking about the secrets that's in the household. But this gentleman got into his how that secret that he kept as a child and he did not get helped when he was molested as a child turned into him having thoughts as an adult of of doing what was done to him because he has and still has so much anger and I referred him to a male friend of mine that I know that does counseling for men because his area is very specific and to read the email, you know, I, I asked him, could I refer him out because the specific help he need, I'm not able to help him. I try to help people, but I know my lane, so to speak. So the areas that he was specifically pinpointing were more male oriented. So I would not have been able to help him. And he desperately was crying out for help. So I'm glad that gentlemen are listening to this podcast as well and seeing the benefit of having a, a a concept of needing help and knowing when to reach out before they cross that line of becoming a perpetrator. So today we want to talk about how the victim can turn into a perpetrator. So this is an in-depth conversation that I want to have concerning some of the emails that I received last week. But the young man's and a young lady emailed me concerning that topic. And it kind of threw me aback. I'm just going to be honest because I've thought about it, but I haven't thought about it, how we can make that turn and that turn can cause us to become the thing that we despise so this week we'll be talking about how that turn and that shift can affect us 
if we don't get help when we are little, if we don't get help when the thing happened to us. So come back from the break and we'll get involved in this conversation. Welcome back to A Woman's Soul Restored. It's Wednesday and here we go with a new episode this week. We're going to be talking about when victims become perpetrators. When victims become perpetrators. There are a couple of things that can happen to an individual that has been molested as a child. They can grow up and become very productive citizens they can grow up and advocate for the thing that happened to them to try to cut the numbers down or reduce the numbers or make sure try to change laws it's a variant of ways that a victim that was molested as a child or went through incest is things that happen to them that causes them to motivate them to make sure that that does not happen to another child. And even though they may not stop it completely, and I would say we, because I am an advocate for children as well as women issues and women's rights, we know that we can make a difference and have been making a difference when we either take on a platform alone or try to do it together. So that's one thing that can happen when a child is molested and that child gets help. And sometimes they don't get help because I didn't get help. But I did not want what happened to me to happen to another child. So that platformed me to want to do everything I could to stand in the gap for children that have to go through this and live through it and try to figure out why did this happen to me why did no one protect me why did no one try to help me why no one tried to listen because so many thoughts go through your head when something like this happens to you so that's the first thing the second thing is uh we can become promiscuous and that just means that we really have We've developed low self-esteem along with what happened to us. So we begin to just give ourselves to anybody and and thinking, looking for love, not really getting it, but getting a physical gratification, but spiritually and mentally, you're still left empty. So we keep trying. That's just like it, it can be referred to someone that's on drugs or crack addict, that they keep looking for that initial high, they keep looking for that feeling, that feel, that euphoria that happens when you, you smoke crack or um, various drugs that you can use that gives you a feeling. Some of the drugs numb you out. I know I drank to numb out the pain, and the pain does not go anywhere, but temporarily the pain is gone. So we try to find other ways to... Um, numb those feelings to not be in that moment of our memories and going back to the thing that happened to us especially if that person is still 
in our life, especially if it's a family friend, uh, a relative, someone that we respect. It, it's, it's difficult to get rid of those feelings and get help if that person is still a part of your life. So those are two split things that can happen. You be, can, be, can become promiscuous or you can abuse drugs and alcohol, which I did both. I abused drugs and I abused alcohol. Um, my drug of choice was marijuana because marijuana gives you a, a, a very calming feeling. It relaxes you. It um, It's kind of hard to explain, but you kind of feel mellow. That, that's, that's about the best word I could use for it. You may feel mellow. So I didn't have a time to think about various things. And during that time, I didn't even remember the child molestation. I was just trying to numb out from the things that had happened to me in my life already. But that and and for for a couple of years it was cocaine so it was ways that i i tried to numb what had happened to me as as a cousin tried to rape me as a child and then i actually got raped at 16 when i was pregnant with my daughter left under a house for dead so these kind of things these traumatic events if they're not addressed can do something to you emotionally so we've addressed three things that can happen to us we can become advocates we can become promiscuous or we can uh, abuse drugs and alcohol so one last thing that we can do and can become which is more negative than being abusing drugs and 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 being promiscuous if that makes sense because those two are very negative but this thing can encompass the other two as well as make you into the monster that perpetrated you because sometimes we don't know how to box those feelings we don't know how to not resist certain urges and we end up becoming the thing that we despise. So what kind of mentality would cause someone to hurt a child the same way that they were hurt? It's a cry for help, first of all. It means that this person didn't get help. And the way that they're trying to seek help themselves or to feel better about themselves is to hurt somebody else, hurt another child. Now, I have heard and have conversations with different people that, that have said that, you know, they, they felt like, why should that child have a better childhood than they had? So it puts them in a place of anger. Like, this child think they, they're this, and they may think that they're that, and not realizing that children don't even... They're children. And as an adult, we're always, you know, our minds can can are at a different level than a child's mind is. So we can't assume that we know what a child is thinking, what a child feels about themselves, because we're adults, because we're going to spin that as an adult would spin it, that that child may want this and, and they want me to do this to them. But that's our adult mind. No child wants that 
to happen. No child wants to be molested. No child wants to go through an ancestral situation. So that's the twisted mentality of not getting help as a child. And some parents, you know, they we're going to go back to those secrets again. They keep that within the family or they keep that within um, the household. Sometimes it's families that know people that live outside the household, extended family. They know that one family member that probably did the same thing to them, but it's been hush hush. So nobody really says anything about it. And it just keeps going on and keep going on through generations. But it's a way to stop that It's a way to put it into those generation curses, generational curses of being um, to have that kind of secret in the family to, to know about that touchy uncle or, or that touchy auntie that you can't be left alone with them because even if you hug them when you first see them their hands go someplace that it shouldn't go they say most families have that relative I, I haven't experienced that yet I'm happy to say in my adult life with my family but I'm not saying it's not there. I don't know everyone in my family. I don't know everything that goes on. All I know is that I have not experienced that in my family. And I thank God I haven't because another Tanya may come out if it does. So those family secrets can evolve into malicious situations. They can evolve into pressure to try to numb yourself And in that numbing process, it becomes that you become a predator of feeding on another child's emotions and feeding on that child, period. You know, becoming that monster that you hated as a child. So how can we prevent this? How can we stop this from reoccurring? Because it's a way that we approach an issue or approach a topic we can try to cover it up we can sugarcoat it we can make it seem like it's not really that bad it's not really that significant when it it, it anytime a child get even touched in the wrong way it's significant anytime a child feels uncomfortable around certain adults we need to pay attention to that. It's not, oh, that's just auntie so-and-so, or that's just uncle so-and-so, go ahead and hug them. If that child is apprehensive, it's for a reason. Even if, they, if they're getting certain vibes from that auntie or uncle or from that, that cousin that came into town, and, and when you tell them to hug them or go say hi to cousin so-and-so, and they just cringe, pay attention to that kind of stuff it's a reason maybe when that cousin comes in town they does something to that child that's not right but we have to pay attention to the signals that our young people give us that our children give us we have to pay attention to the the unspoken responses and cringing or being combative or just saying, no, I'm not going to hug them and running away. It's certain things that children do that they can't really verbalize what the emotion that they're feeling. So they act out. And one of those ways to act out is to rebel. No, I'm not going to hug them and, and to just really almost cause an argument and they'll get in trouble themselves to keep from hugging that cousin or that auntie or whoever the relative may be or family friend. 
It's just they give off cues. And it's up to us to stop dismissing the cues, but to pay attention, to really try to figure out, okay, why are they acting like that? To try to talk to them and make them know that they didn't do anything wrong, but you, you, you as a parent or a guardian or a grandparent, you're just trying to understand why they're acting like that and get them to a place to where they feel comfortable because there no telling, there is no telling what they were told to act that way they might have been told that they would get hurt they might have been told that you would get hurt if if they discussed anything with you so you have to make them feel like that's not going to happen that they they can confide in you and depending on how long the issue has been going on it may take several attempts to try to get them to a point of comfortability that they will be willing to talk to you but you must you can't dismiss it you can't make it seem like oh they're just being bad or they being grown sometimes that is the case but a lot of times it's not a lot of times those children are trying to cry out for help and the only way they know how without physically saying this person is touching me or this person is abusing me but we have to be in tuned enough to to really catch on to what they are saying to really know that i may need to pay attention to this how can we make sure that this kind of things don't happen well we can stop it in the family right at its track we can stop it when we become aware of it we can make known that this family member is doing such and such and if i have to turn you in i will because we have our children need to know that we are advocating for them they need to know that we are standing in their corner that when we tell them something it's not oh you lying on granddaddy or you lying on whoever it may be but to really check it out especially if they had a close relationship with that person before and now even though they might get close to them you can see the difference in their demeanor the difference in how they approach that person because if we don't address it they grow up and they grow up to become those things that we that i discussed a few minutes ago either they advocate they abuse drugs they abuse alcohol or they become a perpetrator themselves so we have to start paying more attention to the words that children say the actions even if they begin to try to fondle themselves or or come to you and try to touch you in a way that you should not be touched they have seen that from somewhere and you can't just oh don't do that don't do that that's wrong it is wrong but they need to understand they don't need to feel like oh i can't go to mama or whoever it is because they said this was a bad thing but this person that's doing that to them and asking them to do that to them doesn't make it seem like it's a bad thing so what they come up with in their mind is it's a bad thing to you so they can't say it or do it to you but they can say it whatever the person is telling them to say in their twisted minds to get off however they get off but we have to let our children know our grandchildren or our nieces and nephews they have to know that they can come to us 
to have a conversation, to have a discussion. And even that little child that may not know what to say or how to form the words, they have to know that they can feel comfortable enough and not scared because depending on the age, the perpetrator might tell them, you're going to get a beating if you say something. Your mama's going to beat you. So if they see you acting a certain way, it's going to look like that perpetrator is telling them the truth, that they're going to get a whipping, they're going to get a beating, they're going to get in trouble. So they keep the secret and not say anything. But in keeping that secret and growing up with that secret in them, it twists in some kind of way to make a negative or more negative situation. They either they can either try to commit suicide. It is various things and more negative than positive can come from a child that's molested and does not get help to help them in their mind deal with that situation to help them know that it wasn't their fault to help them understand that that person is the one with the problem and not that child but we can't dismiss it we can't have a dismissive attitude about things we see about things we hear when our children come and tell us something we can't be so quick to say no not uncle joe uncle joe never do that he never did that to me maybe he didn't do that to you but that's not saying that he didn't do that to this child so it's worth checking out you don't have to go to uncle joe or uncle larry or whoever it may be and i'm just speaking hypothetically calling a name instead of saying uncle such and such but you don't have to go to them physically but just watch just watch and see how they interact with that particular child because some children like i said in a couple of podcasts a couple of weeks ago that if that child is more secluded if that child is sickly if that child has an issue to where they might not be more open as the other kids they might not play with their little cousins the way that the other cousins get together and play this this will trigger a perpetrator to know that this is a safe place this is a child that is already secluded so nobody's going to wonder why they're acting a certain type of way because they all they already act that way so we have to teach our children even our shy children that if something if somebody touches them inappropriately if somebody does something to them that they have that they have to say it they have to tell it because you can't be too shy you can't be too cautious to where you're matching wits with a predator somebody that preys on that child and that if that person knows you personally they can use what they know about you against you if you have a propensity to cuss and get upset and and because some parents do curse at their children um to get them to 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 do certain things to get them to clean up to whatever situation may be some parents are very verbal and and will spew out those profanities at their child so here go this perpetrator that sees that you do this or you talk this way to this child which by the way is abusive when you curse at a child but anyway we're going to move past that because if you're doing that please stop 
please find help because we're not supposed to curse at our children because that brings us to another issue with a society of disrespectful children that don't have any respect for anyone and grow up to do other things. They become murderers, they become serial killers, and and we need to take this issue seriously that when we curse and be abusive, use abusive language towards our children, it affects them and causes them to become non-productive adults and they will do the same thing to their children so as a grandparent you can't say don't cuss at that child because you cussed at your own child and they just doing what they learned but we're gonna go past that one maybe that'll be a topic for another time but if that perpetrator knows that you have a quick temper and you're quick to go there even with your children they're going to use that against your relationship with that child and pull that child closer to them and push them further away from you. Well, how can they do that? They can do that because they're being cordial to that child. They're touching that child and making them feel comfortable. They're breaking that barrier of it's not stranger danger, it's family danger. Because most of the times the predator is not a stranger. We the numbers of people that abduct children that are strangers and and it is lower than the people that molest children as family members, as family friends. So we have to be yes cautious and teach our children about stranger danger, but we also have to teach them about family danger as well. Case in point, my granddaughter and grandson granddaughter just turned three my grandson is two but even with them I've taught them teaching them that before they go to even a family member to get permission is if it's a family member they don't know or meeting for the first time or whatever and not saying that we know everything about our family members I don't like I said earlier I don't know everything about my family member but I know that they don't need to just run to everybody and some children are very free like that they anybody they see they'll run to them and you think it's okay oh my daughter or son is extra friendly no because perpetrators they pay attention to that stuff they pay attention to the extra friendly children so we have to be mindful we have to be very careful with that jewel that diamond that is our children whether it be niece or nephew whether it be the little girl that stay next door that you and the the neighbor are friends but you you notice that that child is not acting like they used to act we have to be a village that looks out for our children to let those perpetrators know that yeah it's not only the people that's in the house that got an eye out but it's the neighbors it's the neighborhood we have to protect our children because if we don't then we're going to have more perpetrators than we have people that's not because we're going to have more children that's running around here as adults that's still stuck at nine, that's still stuck at six years old, that hasn't quite grown up because they're stuck at that age where they were violated. And if it continued on until teenagehood or whatever it may be, that that distorts their mind. And we have to understand that they're not operating as an adult that's 27 or 28 years old. They're acting as that six or seven year old when they first got violated. So I get emotional and passionate about it because you see it 
more and more. And it may not be that it's happening in that household, but you see triggers that it could, you know, if a perpetrator try to befriend that family because they see how the interaction is with that parent and with that child or with that custodian, whatever it may be. So I'm challenging each of us as adults, each of us, that, that, that those people that reached out, that young man that I referred to my friend to help, and that young lady that says she has urges, she has urges to hurt a child. I'm working with her because I can work with a woman with that urge. No, I have not had that urge because... I thank God. I, I I just I don't know why. I've just never had an urge to hurt or do the same thing to a child that was done to me. Maybe because I had children. I had my daughter early. I don't know. But not saying that somebody can't feel that. And it's obvious that that children do grow up to do these things because they did not get help as a child. And in their adult years, instead of saying, well, this is an issue for me, I need to get help, it gets reversed. It is like I haven't gotten help thus far, so I can help myself. But all of us need help at some point. None of us can truly, truly, especially with the issue so intimate, that we can get to a point where we feel that we got this, you know, I'm strong enough, I I got it. No, it's not a weakness to say I need help. And I applaud those two people for reaching out, saying that they needed help. One of them didn't say they needed help, they just was letting me know what the issue was. But that young man was screaming for help, he needed help. And I'm happy that I was able to refer him to, to the help that he needs. And yes, of course, because... When I discuss these different people, the people that regularly listen, they'll reach out and say, well, what happened to that person you talked about? And that just shows that we have people that care, that they're listening and really getting in what this podcast is about, bringing awareness to the issues of those things that we don't want to think about that can happen in households, about abductions with when rapes. traumatic sexual events we don't want to talk about those things but they're happening they're happening around us and we don't even know it sometimes they're happening in our neighborhoods they're happening in our city they're happening in our households sometimes we just need to pay attention so let's be advocates for our adults that have grown up in in such traumatic situations and have not had help or gotten help but are crying for help now in their adulthood because some of us know people that they're crashing and we don't know why they're crashing. We don't know why they're doing the things they're doing. We don't know why they're behaving the way they're behaving. All we know is so-and-so is crazy. Well, sometimes there's a reason for that crazy. Sometimes there's a reason for them acting out and doing the things they're doing and hurting themselves or hurting others First of all, we have to protect those that they're hurting, but then we can't forget about those that 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 are the ones perpetrating the hurt. If it's a way that we can help them, then yeah, we need to do that. And if we need to do that through incarceration, that's what we need to do because sometimes that's required. We can't 
excuse bad behavior by giving them a pat on the back or saying, okay, they went through this, so we have to excuse it. No, there's a punishment for if you grow up to become that thing that happened to you. But in that punishment, let's try to put things in place to where they're getting help. And some people say a molester cannot be helped. I'm I'm not sure about that because, like I said, if you don't believe in God, you might not need to listen to this podcast. So I believe that God can help anybody, but with anything, they have to cry out for it. So if they go through their punishment or their prison sentence or whatever the case may be and not feel any remorse for what they did, then no, that type of person needs to stay locked up. They do not need to be released back out into society because all they're going to do, and we have read the stories, we have seen it on the news that they just re, they, they, they do it again. They reoffend, and then they either kill somebody or, or dismember somebody and then the first thing we hear is they were locked up for so and so years and they got released for good behavior or whatever the case may be no if these people are not getting we need to be more in depth with them and if they're not getting the, the they're giving the cues that they're not getting help but just putting on just so that they can get out no they don't need to be out but I do fully believe that there are some people that's that's just a cry for help. But it's kind of a thin line because if they're already violated, now if you haven't violated, then there, there's there's help because you reached out. And like I said, I thank those two people that reached out. I thank everybody that has been emailing thus far. But if you have crossed that line to violate or perpetrate, to become a molester, to incest with your child, to whatever the case may be. There is punishment for you because the person that violated me died before he could ever get punished. He died when I was 11 years old. And even now, I, I, want, I wanted him to punish. I wanted him to feel what he did to me. But... As I grew in God, I realized that he did get punished because he died a horrible death. He was a very sickly old man. This man was old. He was very sickly. He was very frail at the end. He had prostate cancer. He had a variant of other issues going on, and he died a very horrible death. But this man died cursing God on his deathbed. So he, 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 he got punished for what he did. But sometimes we need to see a criminal pursuit of the person that violates us. We need to know that, yeah, they're getting punished within the penal system. So I don't want to drag this out. I may have to do a panel with this as well about how they feel about this topic, about perpetrators. Is there help for them? If you would like to partake in a panel discussing that, Please reach out to me and let me know at a woman's soul restored at gmail.com. That's a woman's soul restored at gmail.com. Even if you want to be a guest and share your story or another topic, please email me 
The website is www.livelifenowlovelifenow.net. My personal Facebook page is Latanya Wiggins Hendry. You can send me a message. And I always respond to messages because I've been getting messages because I do share this podcast on my Facebook page and in different groups. If you want to like the podcast page on Facebook, it's A Woman's Soul Restored. So this week, I hope that this topic was able to help some of you. Please always, I don't get offended about a negative email because if that's how you feel, that's how you feel. But I really prefer that at least you reach out, whether it's negative or positive, and let me know how you feel. And let's have that conversation because I do reach back out. Let's have that talk. Let's see what's going on. Let's narrow it down so I can understand you and you can understand me. So for a woman so restored, this is LaTanya Hendry. Have a blessed week and see you next time.